0: Welcome to the third episode of The Shannon Plan. I am Kyle Posey. I am joined by my host, Akash. Akash, what's going on, man?
1: What's up, man? By the time you guys listen to this, I think we'll be uh, 11 days from 49ers football. We have finally made it uh, to September, uh, and we can finally watch some regular season football.
0: Yeah, training camp is over. Now we get to watch... 49ers go against the Arizona Cardinals. We actually get some real football to talk about, some concrete storylines. It's nice. It's good to have. It's good to be close to the regular season. And we will start the show off by talking about Alvin Kamara. You know, if there is any sort of available free agent or any sort of player that is available for trade, the 49ers fans are certainly going to be interested in. We're just going to talk about it. So Justina Anderson reported that the Saints are opening to trading Alvin Kamara, which naturally Kyle Shanahan running back put two and two together. And that's how it works. Alvin Kamara is a great player. I think that he is one of those players that will still be good outside of the Saints. And I know that's been a lot of the talk on social media, just like the Saints make him who he is. And believe it or not, he is still allowed to run those same routes outside of New Orleans. And the question is, what is his value? So Kamara's on the last year of his contract. He's going to make, I believe, just north of $2 million in 2020. If you trade for him, not only do you have to give up a draft pick, I don't think it will be as high as some other people think, but what happens is you're going to have to extend him and you're going to have to pay him somewhere in the ballpark of George Kittle money, essentially is what you're going to do. You're going to have to pay him $15, $16 million a year, which no. Uh, Kosh, do you have any thoughts on Alvin Kamara?
1: Yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, Alvin Kamara and Madden would be, you know, perfect with Kyle Shanahan, right? Uh, a re- you know a, a receiver type running back uh, that can make plays out of the backfield, uh, both as a running back and as a receiver. He's had you know I think 80 catches uh, each of his three years in the NFL, um, but like you mentioned, in 2020 you can't you know trade draft capital and extend uh, a running back with, like, George Kittle money. Um, I think, you know, the areas where the 49ers can save in terms of the salary cap is with running back because they have Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. They can't go and spend that kind of money for a running back. They got to be able to spread that, uh, you know, salary cap space to other positions. So I just don't think it's realistic. It's not Madden. Um, but as you know, fans are always going to say uh, whenever a, a high name, you know, free agent or... Uh, you know, player available for trade is up. They're always going to say, oh, let's let's go do it." But just not realistic. I feel like he's going to end up probably back with the Saints. I think they're going to work it out,
0: so let me throw a curveball at you. Let's say it's week four. Most are banged up. Tevin Coleman may have missed time. And the only reliable running back in this instance is Jerick McKinnon, and the 49ers need somebody. Alvin Kamara has yet to work out an extension with the Saints. All these rumors are still floating around. Would Kamara be worth a fourth-round pick if he's only a rental?
1: Um, You'd think about it at that time, right? But, you know, I think the 49ers went through that last year, right? They had Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida deal with injuries uh, early in the season, and they were able to manage with Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. And I would assume that if they were in some sort of – similar situation where it wasn't like a season ending type injury for multiple running backs that they would try to just weather the storm. Um, you know, the reason they gave up multiple picks for like Emmanuel Sanders last year was just cause it wasn't a matter of injuries. They just needed, you know, a reliable receiver and unless they just lose multiple guys for the year, I can't see them giving up, uh, you know, a mid round pick just midway through the season for a rental, especially.
0: There's definitely a difference between Sanders, who was a necessity. Like, there's no doubt about it. They needed somebody for Jimmy to throw the ball to that was reliable. And Kamara would be more of a luxury. And I don't know that the 49ers need a luxury at this point. I mean, the roster is pretty stacked as it is. So Kamara would just be, I mean, as you said, this is like video game talk is what it feels like. All right, right. Let's, we're going to get into uh, the 53-man roster. So today we're going to make some projections. I did a roster projection heading into training camp. That was on July 27. I had Jalen Hurd making the team. I had Sean Coleman making the team. I had a few other players that they're just not going to make the team for whatever reason. So we're going to do that again today after training camp, after all the news, after everything we've seen and read. And it will be – let's just kind of just compare to see what's changed since then. So – Start with the first things first, quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard. I think they all make the roster. I don't think that that's going to be very, you know, very controversial at all. It should be. I I,
1: I mean, yeah, I I agree. I had all three of them making the roster as well, Um, especially this season uh, with COVID. I imagine that most teams will try to carry three quarterbacks if they can, especially. Um, just given, you know, you never know uh, what happens if Garoppolo or Mullins or you know if they were to test positive or whatever the case is, right? And they were to miss time, then having Bethard who understands the system, even if he's not great by any means, um, just having him in the building is going to be advant advantageous this season.
0: Um,
1: I made this comment to someone else earlier, Bethard um, to George Kittle is kind of like, you know, James Jones or Mike Miller was to LeBron. You know, when LeBron used to like move teams back in the day, he used to have like those two guys like travel with him. I think CJ Beathard and George Kittle are kind of like that. George Kittle must have somewhere in his contract that CJ Beathard must be on the roster, like wherever he is. Um, Those two are just buddy, buddy. Uh, But jokes apart, I I think all three of them will will make the team.
0: So that's funny you say that because Kittle and like Beathard was the one throwing to Kittle this offseason for the most part. It wasn't garoppolo so yeah. maybe there is this weird clause in the, in their contract <laughs> but i mean I, I just feel like i could make a stronger argument where you carry two quarterbacks as opposed to three just if we're just yeah. playing the odds last year i can understand it as you know garoppolo was coming off an injury so you want to just protect your quarterback you want to make sure that you know you're not at the last minute fishing for a quarterback but right. you know he's out there he looks comfortable no knee brace in just in this situation I just can't understand a situation where what are the odds that your third quarterback plays a snap in the regular season game? Just play the odds. I, I imagine that's less than 10%. Very, so, very
1: very low, I'd imagine.
0: Right. If we we're going to do that, yeah, are the likelihood of a quarterback testing positive for COVID or just having that whole situation happen, sure. like There's a possibility that can happen, but that would be a risk that I'd be willing to take. And I would much rather have you know a, a positional player, as opposed to, you know, a third string quarterback that may or may not like the odds that he throws a pass is unlikely, and he's not going to help you in special teams or anything. But that's, I mean, that's just Shanahan's ways, and I'm I don't see that changing. I wonder if that will change after you know this year with Mullins and Bethard both. I, Mullins is a restricted free agent, right?
1: Yeah, Mullins will be back. Um, he's a restricted free agent. CJ Bethard is unrestricted, uh, so hopefully this is the last we've seen of Bethard, um, <laughs> and I hope they don't give him some deal, but. Uh, yeah, it's tough, especially you know when you're having um, debates over other positions trying to like squeeze some other guy in, and you've got Bethard who's effectively just taking a roster spot. And like you mentioned, what are the odds that he plays, right? Um, but just given uh, Kyle and where they drafted Bethard and what they're trying to do, uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna keep him on the roster rather than just swallow their pride and cut him. So. Uh both of us said before the pod, you know, before we hit record, this is what we think is gonna happen, not necessarily what we would do if we were in charge of the 53-man roster. So
0: yeah. All right, running backs, how many running backs make the roster? Uh
1: so I've got Kyle Uzchek as a fullback, obviously. So outside sure. of Uzcheck, I've got four uh running backs making the roster. Who how many you got?
0: So counting uh juice, I have four total. So I, I okay. think that they roll into the season with three and obviously the fullback. Who do you have making the roster? Uh,
1: well, hopefully 31 makes it. Uh, Raheem Mostert. never know. <laughs> uh, te- yeah. Uh, a lot of fans want to see Tevin Coleman cut uh, just because he has some uh, – if if cut, he clears out some cap space. But they guaranteed $2 million of his salary back in April, so they're not going to cut him. Um, so I, I imagine Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon, uh, especially after his restructured contract and all the hype uh, during training camp making it. Uh, the debate for that fourth spot really came down to Jeff Wilson Jr. and Jermichael Hastie. Uh, I just imagine that uh, Kyle Shanahan, especially in a COVID-shortened offseason and reduced training camp program, will go with the veteran who understands the system um, and can both be a running threat as well as a receiving threat. And my guess is he'll stash uh, Jermichael Hasty on the practice squad. So I, I went with four running backs and then and Kyle Juszczyk, obviously.
0: Yeah, so the lack of preseason will probably save them from, you know, having a team pluck Hasty because yeah. Hasty ended practice a couple of times with, you know, some some routes where, not routes, sorry, some carries where he's just breaking ankles and he's breaking defenders down and he's getting the oohs and ahs on the sorry, sideline. But people aren't really hearing that and people, people don't see that. The NFL isn't going to see that. So right. I think that right. that will save them. But I just had a problem with – um, I had a problem deciding between Hasty and Wilson Jr., so I just left both of them off. That's how my <laughs> mind worked. And I I just don't I know the 49ers entered the season last year with four running backs. So I kind of I kind of rode that wave too. So I think we see um I think we see Mostert, Coleman, McKinnon. And then during the season, there could be obvious times where Wilson's called up or Hasty's called up in the event that they need an extra running back. Because I do believe Wilson can play special teams. I think he's more reliable. I mean, he has the experience, obviously. And I just think you know he with as you mentioned with the COVID, with what's going on right now, you just go with somebody you can trust right now. So whether it's four, whether it's four, I don't think there's going to be too big of a difference in. I mean, right. as I mentioned, it can be a game day call-up. So the big one and that one that everybody always wants to talk about is wide receiver. So I think seven wide receivers make it. How many do you have?
1: Okay. So I I started with seven and, you know, I was going back and forth between wide receiver and tight end. So I've got six wide receivers making, making the 53-man roster.
0: So I have seven. And the reason yeah. I have seven is because I, I just – I think that, again, with the injuries – Mounting up, it seems like somebody's getting hurt every other day. That's another story. We can probably do an entire podcast on that. But yeah, sure, so my, sure. my seven are Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, and then that's where you kind of like who's going to make it from there. I do All think right. Tavon Austin makes it. I think okay. Tavon did enough in the preseason, and obviously injuries helped him. But I think he stood out just enough where he makes it. I also think his return ability stands yeah, out exactly. And what I so. I, I'm i going against the grain here. I would have Sean Poindexter over John Jennings. I don't think that the team is going to do that. I thought Poindexter was better. I thought he made more plays. I thought he created more separation. I thought he made more plays in the end zone. I think he does a better job, and he gives Garoppolo a better target in the goal like near the goal line. And you know that's yeah. what they need. They're lacking that jump ball threat. So I thought Poindexter really stood out in that area. He's not like a world beater. He's not going to be super impressive physically, but he's just a very tall man, and he can go up and get the ball, and that's what. The, and you can use that in the goal line. So, um, I, I imagine they're going to keep Jennings over him, but just based on what I saw, I can't go against you know what I saw. So that's why I had Poindexter over him. So who who are your six?
1: Yeah. So uh, the first five that you mentioned, we've got the same: uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon IU Kendrick Bourne. Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis. Uh, I'm like 99% sure those five guys make it. And then the sixth guy I have is Tavon Austin, and primarily it's the return ability, right? Um, you know, I think J.J. Nelson probably would have made it uh, if he didn't end up on injured reserve. So he probably would have gotten a spot, but now that he's on IR and won't count against a 53-man roster, I think Tavon Austin gets that last, six, last spot. Um, the de- I had the same debate you did, uh, Juwan Jennings and Sean Poindexter. Um, two things stuck out about J- Jennings. You and I had a conversation offline on text, and you mentioned that Jennings was primarily running with the twos and the threes. Uh, he wasn't super impressive during camp or like standing out. Um, and I listened to Matt my Ma- Matt Mayo,ko a uh, friend of the pod, and you know he was <laughs> saying that he wasn't super impressed with uh, Juwan Jennings either. He wasn't saying that he wasn't really flashing. And so just those two things, especially me not being down there and not being able to see these guys in person, uh, taking your guys' word for it, I just don't think uh, he makes the 53-man roster. And given you know the lack of film because of you know, no preseason games and all that kind of thing, I think they can stash Jawan Jennings on the practice squad and risk the fact that if they waived him, that no other team is going to go ahead and take him. So I think they, they can do that. Uh, same thing probably with Poindexter as well. So I went with six there. And maybe when we get to the tight ends next, I can explain why uh, I chose to keep both of them off the 53-man roster.
0: And that's a good point. So I – and when I wrote my 53-man projections, I said arguing about the seventh receiver is silly, but here we are. Like there's right. – The odds that either of these two play are, is slim as well. Yeah. yeah. And I just – I also agree with you that a healthy JJ Nelson is on the team because he was going in ahead of Tavon Austin, ahead yeah, of John yeah. Jennings, ahead of Sean Poindexter. Sean Poindexter actually was ahead of Juwan Jennings. And yes, they get reps in the red zone and they rotate in. But I just, I th- Nelson added more to the team than even Austin did, I think, with his speed because you could really tell that the cornerbacks respected his speed. I'd imagine that we see Jennings, Poindexter, and Kevin White stashed on the practice squad. It'd be interesting to see if, you know, if Kevin White does stay healthy and they they kind of call him up at some point down the season. So that that might be something to keep an eye on, but they should have a solid practice squad at receiver. So you said yep. tight end and I only have three because I have seven, but I will allow I'll give you the floor because I want to I want to hear your explanation. So why why okay. you have four.
1: So I think, you know, when I started this, I said, okay, let me do ten wide receiver and tight ends and let me pick the ten best guys, right? And however it breaks down, how it, that's how it goes. So, like you have, you know, seven wide receivers, three tight ends. I have six wide receivers, four tight ends. Uh, so obviously 85's making the roster. Uh I'm wow, Jordan boy. Reed. Yeah, right. Uh hot take coming. Uh so Jordan Reed, obviously he's flashed. Um, you know, he especially this past week, I think he's made some plays uh in the in the passing game. So I think he makes the roster. I think their rookie Charlie Warner, I think, you know. I don't think they're gonna waive him. Uh, I think he makes the roster. The last debate I really had was, uh, is it Ross Dwelly or Juwan Jennings, Sean Pointex, or so one of those three guys are gonna make it, right? And just given Jordan Reed's injury history with concussions and all the other stuff, you never want to predict injury. But if anything happens to Jordan Reed, having Ross Dwelly there as, as tight end, as your third tight end, uh, is gonna help. And just you know, given the fact that Dwelly played last season, and there's film out there. I think if the 49ers were to waive him, there would be a team out there that would pick him pick him up, right? I think the Niners waived like what, Caden Smith last year, the Giants picked him up, or maybe they traded him. But um, same case, I think if they were to get rid of Dwelly, he would get picked up, and they wouldn't be able to stash him on the practice squad. So I figured, all right, let's go four tight ends at, with Kittle, Reed, Warner, and Dwelly.
0: And that's a good argument, and I can buy that. If you're, if you're putting all the pass catchers, into a box and you want to say who's the best and you want to go with the 10 best. I can buy an argument where you would take Dwelly over the seventh receiver. I went with three tight ends just because I do think Dwelly's foot is gonna play a factor because he has it That's seems a like he's been out of practice. Um, I want to say over a week and a half to two weeks, and that may come back that that may be the determining factor. So I had Kittle, Reed, and Warner. Reed just gives you so much more as a receiver than Dwelly. Warner gives you so much more as a blocker than Dwelly, which where do you go from there? So that's why I went with those three. And there's nothing, there's no hiding about Reed's injuries, injury history. I do think that they will have to have some sort of, you know, contingency plan in the event that he does get hurt. So Dwelly, I'm not sure. I don't know if Dwelly would get plucked, but again, like I forgot about Caden Smith. So that's a good point. And the Giants used him a lot. So there's probably, there are, there will likely be a team out there that will need a, you know, second, third string tight end, which that's who Dwelly is. And I feel like fans, they're so attached to him that they think he's better than he is. I just don't see that type of talent when you just watch Reed run and then you watch Dwelly run, there is a difference. Let's just say that. Well,
1: I mean, to to your point, here's what it comes down to, right? Say you were to, cut dwelly do you trust uh, a chase harrell or someone like that off the practice squad to then be elevated if something were to happen to reed or warner right or kittle even for that matter of fact so that would be the yeah, question it comes sure. down uh, to
0: yeah, absolutely not would be the answer so no that that's yeah. a good point and that's that's the, the discussion that they're going to have and that's kind of the problems that you run into all
1: right yeah. offensive line
0: so this this to me is pretty uh it's pretty straightforward just because yeah. Western Richburg is going to start the season on the pup list. So that's going to open up a roster spot for the first six weeks, which kind of gives the 49ers flexibility to kind of call guys up and down. So there's going to be eight, I imagine. So Trent Williams, Lakin Thompson, Ben Garland, Daniel Brunskill, Garland, whenever you're ready, just let's do this and get healthy. Mike McGlinchey, Justin School, (laughs) Tom Compton, and Colton McKivitt. So they – so – um. I'm not allowed to put this in print, but I can talk about it. So, whenever like we we tweet out um, or not not just tweet, but put in articles like the camp rotations, we, like Bob is on our ass, like immediately get that out of there. Not allowed to put that in there. So the the other day in practice, uh, there was a so Horonus Grassu is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. So he was he he was playing first string center, and they slid Brunskill back over. So it was really Shepley Dakota Shepley the. The, the center – I thought he played right guard, but apparently he's been playing center. And so he's been switching back and forth with uh, the Oregon center is what I'm going to call him because I don't know if that's the right way you pronounce his name. And Brunskill has slid back over to right guard. I think that more than anything tells you all you need to know about Colton McKibbitts and Tom Compton. Like they are just not the answer at that this point. They've struggled to, get, to block guys that really aren't that great or they shouldn't look as good as they do. So – It'll it'll likely come down between uh, Grasso and Shepley, and I imagine they'll start on the practice squad, and eventually they'll be called up every week. Whoever's playing the best, whoever's starting, and that's how it'll go. So I think offensive line is pretty straightforward, and I I do imagine we'll see some musical chairs up front for the first couple weeks until they kind of figure out you know who fits best where. Well, how many offensive linemen do you have?
1: Uh, the same, eight uh, eight guys. We have the exact same eight guys. A uh, couple things just I wanted to note. Uh, Dan Brunskill at center, I don't think it was going so well. Uh, I heard he was struggling, just straight snapping the ball to Jimmy Garoppolo. So maybe the move for Brunskill back to right guard is also more about Brunskill's struggle at center um, than Tom Compton and Colton McKivitts struggling at right guard. Um, so fans better pray that Ben Garland shows up um, week one because you don't want Cronus Grasu uh or dakota shepley who was in like canada i think uh like earlier this (laughs) week to to be playing center uh week one that's just yeah don't want that um the other thing to note with offensive linemen uh, a new rule this year with the cba is they get to call up uh two extra offensive linemen on game days uh game day as part of the active roster so normally it's what 46 guys right uh out of the 53 are active uh but this year you and moving forward, you can have uh, 48. Given that the last two are O line, so um, that'll be something else that plays into uh, how the 49ers, you know, set their roster. I think.
0: And that's a good point. I'm glad you brought up the snaps because one of the snaps in Friday's scrimmage, Brunsko airmailed, and resulted <laughs> in a safety. So, yeah, they they definitely have to get that under control. Who starts at center week one?
1: Uh, I'm gonna go Garland. Uh, again, it's so tough when you have no zero idea of the severity of all these different injuries, right? Ben Garland hasn't practiced in like three weeks, I think, with yeah. an ankle sprain. So, does that mean, okay, you know, they've been treating it and he's been progressively better? Um, are they just holding him out because they don't want to risk, you know, further injury? Have zero clue. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, who's usually pretty open about the stuff, is very tight lipped and he, you know, talked to us about why. Um, but I would imagine Garland is a go week one.
0: I hope you're right. i'm I'm not so sure just because, as you mentioned, he's been out for so long that I mean, it'd be easy. It'd be easy for him compared to anybody else to just step in there after missing so much time. I really think I, and I don't know how the workout went. I think they should have signed Ted Larson just because he's a veteran and he he can play. but yeah. again, he might he just might not have looked good in the in the workouts. So there's there's something to everything. So we are going to get to defense after this. We're actually going to take a break and go to a little buy or sell. So we will be right back. All right. So buy or sell. So we have a couple of topics that we want to talk about whether we are going to buy or sell the training camp buzz that has been happening all throughout the month of August. So first things first, the secondary was all over the place. The safeties were making plays, the cornerbacks were making plays. Was it on them? Was it on the quarterbacks? I feel like this is a situation where both things can be true. Makash, um, are you buying a, an improved, productive, secondary that will generate more takeaways in 2020? Um, No, I don't think so. In
1: terms of generating more turnovers, I, I don't think that happens. Uh, are they as stout as they were last year? I think so. Right, Just another year of continuity. Uh, with Jimmy Ward at free safety, hopefully Emmanuel Mosley gets to start at um, corner opposite to Richard Sherman, and they kind of just they don't play the rotational game, right? Uh, so I, I think they'll have increased stability, better back end chemistry, things like that. I don't know if that necessarily equates to more turnovers, just because you know Tart and Ward. The one knock on them is that they're not able to generate uh, interceptions and things of that nature, right? So
0: I, I don't quite see that. So the only reason I'm buying it is because it would be very tough to have fewer turnovers as okay. a group than they have than they did last year. So uh, Jimmy Ward and Tart both did not register an interception last year, and that is just very tough to do when you play as often as they played. Just eventually the ball just lands in your lap, just based off <laughs> a tip drill, or something happens where the ball lands in your lap. So I, th- I mean, they I think they are so much better than even fans think they are. Yeah, and I agree. It's unfortunate that you know we we register things that if you're not good, unless you get an interception, when there there are just so much, so many more plays to an NFL game than turnovers. So I will buy it, but with the caveat that you know you have to generate more than zero. Um, sidebar here: Is Akilio Witherspoon going to be on the 49ers by the end of the year? Saying, yes. will a team come trade for him? That's no. my okay no,
1: i don't i don't think there's any gm out there that's gonna trade a pick at, for akella witherspoon especially after what they saw last season right uh no, that's fair. especially in the playoff game against the vikings you know the last memory that most teams have of him is you know getting beat by stefan diggs down the left sideline so can't imagine especially if he doesn't play early on in the season that any team bites on him so
0: no, just a thought, because I, I don't think he's going to play this year, and I think that cornerback is just such an important position that teams are going to think, hey, third-rounder, hasn't been playing. Injuries happen all the time. It's yeah, fair. They might they might throw in like a late day three conditional. Like nobody's going to offer you a third-round pick just because – and that's another thing. People think that because he was drafted in the third that that's still his value. That is not how this league works.
1: Nope, not for especially players like Witherspoon who have been very up and down and – Yeah. You have no idea where you're going to get out of them, right?
0: He's definitely been up and down. All right. Buy or sell. Will the injuries on the offensive line, the injuries on the offensive line will not be an issue. Buy or sell. Uh,
1: I'm going to sell. I'm going to say they're going to be a major issue. Um, Just, again, it's the same thing we've been talking about, I feel like, all last year, right? Interior offensive line struggles, right? With the center and the right guard position. I think right guard will be improved with Dan Brunskill compared to Mike Person um the floor is pretty low there but again with center especially if garland (laughs) is out uh and they gotta play somebody else i yeah they just haven't you know had any continuity right during training camp uh then you're gonna bring richard back off uh the pup list like six weeks into the season and you're gonna throw him into the mix uh how's he gonna look how's he gonna gel with the rest of the guys uh i think they did upgrade the left tackle position um which was already good last year especially towards the end of the year. Um, And I think McGlinchey is going to be fine from a run blocking standpoint. Tomlinson, one of the better left guards. It's really those other two spots that, that concern me. Um, And I'm sure it keeps Kyle Shanahan up at night too.
0: I think you would have to be the biggest fanboy to say that you wouldn't be concerned about everything that you've read on the interior line, because right guard is an issue. Center is an issue. And it's not as if these are veterans either. These are guys that are, Relatively new to the NFL, so I think it's a big issue. I, and just to put it in context, the, we're we're arguing about you know right guard, the seventh receiver. So like teams wish that they had you know these problems. Like those were the main problems that they had. Right, but right,
1: right. These are first world problems.
0: Yeah, the a hundred percent first world problems. But I do still think it's gonna be an issue. And I I d I don't think we should ignore that just because the forty ers are talented. I think that we will see it come up at the most inopportune times, which is which is why it is an issue. But we we've talked about the offensive line at nauseum so so far, but somebody yeah, I mean, we have also talked about it. Go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna say you, you made a good point on the last on the last podcast is that if they're struggling, especially if they hit week four against, you know, a, a defensive line like uh, the Eagles with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and them uh, and those boys woof it could get ugly uh whereas the first two weeks I'm not as worried uh, especially against the Cardinals on the interior or the the Giants even the jets pretty good right uh up front but uh, yeah that that's where it could get really tough and and ugly quick in my opinion
0: so there is a hype train that has not slowed down and I don't think it is possible <laughs> for the hype train to slow down of Jarek McKinnon are you buying or selling his hype train?
1: Buying, buying. I, I'm loading up, selling the house. I'm a, yep, yep, taking the house, uh, putting it on Jarek McKinnon. Um, you know, you've been down at camp. You've told me he's beating, you know, the likes of Fred Warner and Quan Alexander um, on wheel routes and things like that. So um, if he's able to do that against those guys, what is he going to be able to do against weaker coverage linebackers, right? um it's a matter of you know jimmy garoppolo and mckinnon haven't haven't played much together um when mckinnon was brought on garoppolo was hurt and i mean both of them were hurt and so this is their really their first offseason together and how quickly can they develop that chemistry but i think he's gonna be a real third down weapon so I, i'm buying uh, mckinnon
0: i think he's gonna be a threat as well and yeah i'm buying him as well just because so everybody most national media most of the national writers have picked him as their breakout player for the 49ers which is kind of common sense it's not really going out on a limb at all so he's it's great that he made it through camp and i do feel like this will be the season where you know we do see mckinnon healthy for the most part let me ask you over under 30 receptions for mckinnon
1: Ooh, i'm gonna go over i'm gonna go over 30 receptions sounds like a lot um But, you know, I I think Garoppolo, uh, especially on third down, uh, when he needs to just, you know, hit a check down, uh, hit a safety blanket, is going to hit McKinnon more often than not. And so he may not have a ton of yards, but I think he's going to have 30 catches. And so, yeah, I think that's very much in the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah, and we're probably looking at like three or four catches for like 30-some yards and maybe, you know, like a touchdown. exactly. Right. which is not a lot but that gets you over 30 yards so as long as he plays and i he's going to be the third down back there's no doubt about that he's going to probably reach 30 receptions so buy or sell moving on buy or sell jimmy garoppolo's turnovers from practice won't trickle into the regular season
1: um so kyle shanahan had a good had a good point um i think a couple of days ago robert Salah came on he spoke with the media he spoke about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's decisiveness and how he's gotten quicker with his decision-making, how he's improved in that area, which is something you and I especially have been very critical, right? Uh, in inopportune times, Garoppolo makes a mental mistake, whatever the case is, turns the ball to
0: be, You don't have to sugarcoat it, You don't have to be nice. About <laughs> he, he, uh, he makes some very knuckleheaded plays.
1: Yeah, okay. All right, there we go. And so Robert Sala gave him some credit for that. Kyle Shanahan came, spoke with us yesterday. And I think it was JLC who kind of like teed up the question for him and was like, hey, here's what Sala said. Kyle was like not very complimentary of Garoppolo, right? He was more like, uh, yeah, he goes up against the same defense every day. You, He should be doing that. He should be making quicker decisions. So it's not like impressive. Let's see what he does against some other guys, right? You know, week one against Arizona. So I was like, okay. And he's still turning the ball over. It's not like he's not turning the ball over in camp. Uh, I think that's just Jimmy's game. He's always going to have that. Um, he, yeah, he's just, he's just going to make those interceptions because mentally he's not at the level uh, to avoid those mistakes, in my opinion. So I, I think that's always going to be part of his game. We're just going to have to accept it if he's going to be the 49ers quarterback uh,
0: moving forward. I agree 100%, and I'm so glad that Shanahan said that because obviously in this yeah. practice, you're looking for quotes and you want to make sure that, you know, you give uh, whoever it is, player, coach, an opportunity to brag about their quarterback. Most players are going to tell you, oh, he's doing great. He's doing this. But we are there. We can see what he's doing. He's still throwing the ball off his back foot. He's still throwing the ball across his body. There are there are plenty of areas where Garoppolo has improved. I think he's, he's come along so far as far as pocket presence. I do think he's a little bit more decisive. But as Shanahan said, like this is the same defense he's been seeing all month. Like if he's not more decisive, then there's a problem. Like we have to use context here. And just as far as his processing and the decision making goes, there are still a lot of the same issues that I saw. And if it wasn't if he was making turnovers and let's say the defense is just making plays, sure. But he's like teeing this up for the defense. Like some of these balls are landing right in the laps of some of these safeties. So I just think, as you said, that's who he is that like you can be a good quarterback and still turn the ball over there are plenty of quarterbacks like that in the nfl but he's just gonna have to avoid those yeah where where you just where even like a defense like the 49ers can't overcome like those are that's where garoppolo is going to have to avoid those type of mistakes but yeah shanahan just just a great answer and i really i'm 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 (laughs) glad that well and here's the thing like fans are gonna hear that and just brush it off <laughs> and yeah no no
1: one even brought it up and i think i think right. i posted a clip on twitter yesterday and it got like no interaction because people just glance over it right it's very much like oh it's not positive it's not glowing so yeah we're just gonna ignore it whatever right and janahan was not exactly glowing right he was it was like a backhanded compliment he was like yeah he got quicker yeah but he's going up against the same guys right so uh very smart answer uh from kyle in my opinion just just very very uh the right way to handle it i think
0: here's what's going to happen he's going to throw four touchdowns against arizona and people are going to be like see he's (laughs) he's doing he's so good like guys it's arizona against vance joseph's defense yeah (laughs) yeah like he had you had all year to prepare for vance freaking joseph come on now yeah yeah. but no it'll it'll be interesting just to, to follow his season to see where he's improved against like the live bullets like when you can get tackled but I don't think we're going to be able to, to really see that until we get further into the season. In the middle of the season is when, when we're really going to have a chance to to judge Garoppolo. All right, last one. Solomon Thomas making an impact during the regular season, buy or sell?
1: This one's tough. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sell. Uh, I've never been a big Solomon Thomas guy. Even when he came out of Stanford, I did not want the 49ers to take him at number three. Uh, or number two number three whatever um and I think I've been validated in that right he just hasn't lived up to that draft slot in my opinion uh, and I think everyone would concur and so now he looks bulkier he's put on some weight uh, they've moved him inside so he's playing exclusively out of there or you know out of the inside uh, but I still don't I just don't buy it um yeah I just he's going up against twos and threes. Uh, we talked about it. The 49ers interior offensive line just isn't very good, you know, outside of Lake and Tomlinson. Uh, so what happens if he goes up against, you know, top tier guards and centers, right? Don't think he's going to be winning, um, you know, on passing downs and things of that nature. Uh, so I think he, he makes the team and we'll get to this when we talk about the defense, but um, I just don't, I just can't see him making an impact and I can't see him coming back uh, next year because uh, he's a free agent at the end of the season. So I'm yeah. selling
0: that's a bit of a stretch to say that you know he's going to make so much of an impact that the 49ers are not going to have a choice to bring him back like they' that's that would be leaving quite the impressions and i don't right. think it'll be that it'll go that far i am buying and the reason that is because not only him and playing inside but because first of all he has for the first time in ever and I watched him a lot at at Stanford he just was just rushing. He didn't really have a plan. He didn't really have like go-to moves. And it seems like finally with Chris Kosirik, he has that. But more than anything, it's the talent around him. Like that is going to be one. If he is strictly playing inside as a three technique with Javon Kenlaw, with Nick Bosa, with Eric Armstead, with D Ford, I don't I honestly don't know why you wouldn't like any human should be able to produce because you're going to be one on one nonstop. So I think with slanting and with the how they move that will allow Solomon Thomas to make plays. No, he's not going to turn into Aaron Donald overnight. But I do think he's going to be just a productive player, and I think that's what they need. They don't – they obviously it would be great if he turned into, like, the number two, three overall pick, but that's just not who he is. He was never that guy, and I think it's more fair to kind of put these expectations on, hey, let's get – let's have Solly have, like, four or five sacks and just be a productive guy where, you know, we can we can sub him in. And there's not like this giant drop off. But honestly, he was more impressive against the offensive line than Javon Kinlaw is. And maybe that says more about Kinlaw.
1: I think that's I I would take that as saying more about Kinlaw, but um, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. so question for you. So say, you know, D4, Nick Bosa, they haven't been practicing. Uh, Both have various soft tissue injuries. Uh, Say they miss time. I don't expect them to miss time, but say they do. Is there any chance that Solly slides outside Uh, because they need additional depth out there?
0: Yeah, good question. I, we, can, we can probably go segue into the back to defense and go to the defensive line. So that's what was happening in practice. So Tom, Thomas would go back outside, which is so counterproductive to me because right. you, had, you had him put on all this weight. So he's up 15 pounds. He's, he looks so much more comfortable playing inside. And now that you have injuries, now he's playing on the outside, like sometimes in base defense or sometimes even with twos, just to, to keep getting reps on the edge. Just put literally anybody else out there. Who, who cares? It's practice. You want to get Thomas better. You want to make sure that he gets confidence. Play him inside because he's not going to win on the outside. We have ample evidence of this. That's yep. just not the type of player he is. But when you have the type of injuries that they've had, and it seems like they trust him over guys like Deion Jordan, which, yes. Wonder why. And, <laughs> and there's just not many options they have because Blair is not going to be back. And I I doubt he plays week one. So we're still going to see Blair, or sorry, we're still going to see Thomas on the edge at times, but there just has to be a better plan for that. And so getting back to the defensive line, I had 10 guys make it. I got Bosa, Ken Law, Jones, Eric, D. Ford, Solly, Kerry Heider, Ronald Blair, Street, and Givens. I think Street and Givens were just outstanding. For what for what you would think, you, you you came into training camp with zero expectations for those two. I think Street finally looks healthy. He's finally confident. He's flashing that athleticism. Givens was noticeably bigger. Like Givens must have ate plenty of steaks, plenty of peanut butter <laughs> of this off season because he's bigger and and he had to be bigger and he was making plays, so that's good to see. And I mean, th- the other guys were pretty common sense. I think Kerry Hyder is just the the veteran that you need that can play inside and outside. Like that should be the guy that sticks on the edge. Ford, I mean, we we, we keep talking about his injuries. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know how how reliable he will be for the 49ers. The one guy that I did leave off was Darian Daniels, the nose tackle that they invested actually the most in of any undrafted free agent. But I think Thomas with how he looked in practice made him expendable. And by that, so he, Thomas played three tech Kenlaw actually slid inside. And I mean, Kenlaw can play nose anyway. So there's no reason (laughs) for, for Daniels to be on the team. So that's the 10 defensive linemen I have. Who do you have?
1: Uh, like you copied off of me. Um, (laughs) I have the exact <laughs> same. I have the exact same ten guys. Um, you know, you talked about breakout players uh, and what the national media has been talking about. Jarek McKinnon. Um, they probably just haven't been, you know, as in tune as some of the the local guys that cover the team, right? So, I would say Contavious Street and Kevin Givens are two guys that are candidates to be breakout players this season. Um, I think the hype train on them, on both of them has been uh, particularly good as inside interior rushers. Um, Kevin Givens, especially last year when uh, Dan Brunskill took his played his first game as right guard against the Rams, um, Kevin Givens was the scout team Aaron Donald, um, and he said that Givens gave him a ton of trouble um, nice. and was great in preparation as you know playing like Aaron Donald, obviously not Aaron Donald, but um, and so Givens, out, yeah, yeah, d- yeah. Please, uh, <laughs> I don't want to see Kevin Givens as Aaron Donald on Twitter uh like tomorrow so um but like you said he's he's put on weight um and i expect him to be part of the rotation so i i had the same 10 guys uh, ronald blair was the only iffy one i was like okay do they put him on ir um he might miss a few weeks i'm not sure if he's gonna be up ready week one but i think you keep him on the uh active 53 man roster so that when he does come back in a couple weeks that he's ready to go
0: yeah. I think he's close. I don't, I don't think he's there yet, but I think he's close enough where he, he doesn't yeah. look like he's going to miss six. It looks like closer to two to three, which is what you don't, you're not going to place him on the IR just because he's, he's too valuable to the team. Let me ask you this better season street. Let, let's just rank these three street, Sally Givens.
1: Well, based on my previous answer, I'm going to go street Givens Thomas. Uh, I think, I think Street's going to flash. I think he's going to produce more than Solomon Thomas is. Um, I even think Kevin Givens is going to play more than Thomas. I'm just completely sold on on Solly's uh, return this year. But that's just me.
0: No, that's fair. So I'd go Thomas just because if I said anything else, that would be just backtracking, and I'm not going (laughs) to do that. So I'll go Thomas. I will go Street because he – he just looks cut, like he can move actually. Like you can tell last yeah. year he was just still not comfortable moving off the injury. And this year right. he just looked like a guy that, you know, he's not thinking about his injury anymore. So year off, for, yeah. yeah. It, it, it makes a difference. There's no doubt about it. And then I'll go Givens, but I would love to see, you know, givens get an opportunity inside just because he probably has the highest upside as a three tech out of any of those guys. Yeah. Um so linebacker, I had five, and I imagine you do too. So the first yep. four pretty set in stone. Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, Dre Greenlaw, he's Al here. The last one is probably going to come down between Mark Nzocha and Joe Walker. Who would you have?
1: I had Mark Nizocha, and, and so I, again, went back and forth between the two of them. Uh, one thing that stood out to me during uh, Sala's press conference is – you know, how they negotiate between uh, special teams and defense. He said that if um, Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator, came to him and was like, hey, I got to have this guy. Um, so, you know, have, you know, put him on the 53. Um, that Saul would be like, okay, let, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, just given that Nzacha was on the team last year, big special teams contributor. Uh, I imagine that he gets the nod over Joe Walker.
0: And that's a good point about Hightower and Azacha because he has gone to bat for him. So Walker is a great athlete. He has started in Arizona. He he can run. But Hightower, like he's one of his favorites. Like Azacha is one of his favorites. So I think that the 49ers just go with the experience here. And Azacha also rotated in before Walker did. So I don't, I don't think we really need to spend much time on him. Like he's not going to play. He's going to be a special teamer. And I imagine he makes the roster. So cornerback, I have five. I don't think that this is very questionable either richard sherman <laughs> richard sherman will make the team believe it or not uh, richard sherman mosley K1 williams who did return to practice on monday which is good news akili witherspoon who we talked about a little bit earlier and jason vrett who i have over jamar taylor i think between those two taylor's just expendable with williams because he's more of an inside guy and i think just vrett has a higher ceiling he's Will Verrett play much, if any at all this year? I don't know, but I do think that he just gives you a better cover cornerback, and that's what you want. and And I know that you know special teams does matter. If Taylor does make it over Verrett, it will just be because his durability and ability to play on special teams. But against especially special team like Arizona, who's going to throw out you know ten personnel at you, it would be nice to have an option like Verrett on the bench. So that's why I went with Verrett. Who Who do you have?
1: Uh, again, same five, uh, Taylor Verrett was kind of the last two that I debated as well. Um, I just, with, uh, one Williams coming back to practice this week, uh, I just think that you don't need Taylor any longer. I think, you know, if Williams was to get hurt again or whatever, in a pinch, you could have Mosley or Verrett slide inside. Um, this is similar to the pass catchers. You just go with your five best cornerbacks. Um which happened to be Sherman, Mosley, Verrett, Witherspoon, and Williams. And Taylor is, is just outside that. So don't think he makes it. And I don't even think you could stash him on the practice squad, I think. So I think they just cut him.
0: Yeah, and Taylor was available, what, in July or August? So it's not like teams were knocking down his door to claim him anyway. Whereas you would think that just with Varets' history in the league and him making it through a training camp, that some team would be more willing to put in a claim or try to snatch him up if you try to sneak him on the practice squad. So safeties for, I have Tart, Ward, Tarverius Moore, and it comes down to either Jonathan Cyprian or Marcel Harris. So who did you go with?
1: Okay, so we've talked about this a bunch, but it honestly just comes down to okay, if I waive this player, am I going to be able to get them back to put them on the practice squad? Um, And so, based on that, I said, okay, I'm going to take Marcel Harris. So, Marcel Harris, um, I suspect if they were to waive him, that there would be another team out there that picks him up just because. Again, he made plays in the Baltimore game last season. Um, Even though he's had some issues in coverage, I think he just has enough good tape out there that some team would be willing to put him on their 53 man roster, especially a team that's not very good and that can use him maybe like next year or whatever, right? Whereas Cyprian, who was literally on his couch like three weeks ago, again, same argument with Taylor. No one was knocking down his door. Um, He did say, hey, I'm not going to, you know, I wouldn't be on the practice squad. My argument is okay, say you cut him. Again, I don't think anyone's going to pick him up just based off some reports that he's had some picks at camp, right? Again, no film, no tape, no nothing. Um, so in a pinch, if someone were to get hurt, I think you could sign Cyprian again later in the season if need be. That that was the only reason I went Harris over over Cyprian.
0: So the common sense answer would be, you know, if these guys are neck and neck, you're going to go with the youth and more upside, right? And obviously he would be cheaper just because he's on yeah. a rookie contract. Could do. So the reason I, I actually went Cyprian and they both made plays and i mentioned some of those plays that both of those guys made were thanks to the quarterbacks i do think they both played really well though just as far as you know being aggressive and doing the things that you would like to do see a safety do well i think that i go Cyprian, not only does he have more versatility to play both safety spots i also think that you know in with the movement it seems like with the players that they've been bringing in and working out they all have experience so if this is your super bowl shot and Tart or Ward do go down you want somebody that is experienced and Harris is not Harris did make plays last year but he also did make mistakes he and did. you can't ignore those mistakes and i think that his experience under Sala will come back as a good thing and i i think I mean, I would take Cyprian. I don't, I don't think that it, it's a coin flip. Like, I don't think there's a really a wrong answer. I don't think it so. doesn't, wouldn't bother yeah. me if they took Harris. Like, Same. it's not going to be like, why would you cut Cyprian? Like, he's so good. And like, nobody's going to say that. <laughs> right. Whereas. I right. I, Harris, like Harris has a tremendous amount of energy and you cannot ignore that and obviously that does play a role and with just right. look at who they have on defense like guys like Quan, Quan Alexander so like it it again it it doesn't really bother me too much either way they go I would I go Cyprian and just because based on the veteran movement so that that brings it to the end of the 53 man roster obviously the specialists are going to be Robbie Gold Mitch Wisnowski, and Kyle Nelson I think Jarek McKinnon is going to be the starting kick returner Who's going to start as the punt returner? Um, it's
1: a good question. Um, who, who's been who's been competing at camp? Would it come down to like Dante Pettis, uh, Tavon Austin? Would, would those guys primarily be in the mix? Um, so, Brandon Ayuk, maybe. I would probably go Ayuk personally. Um, just given his uh, ability to you know make people miss in space. I think you might have posted a clip of him in like at ASU, just making people miss like left and right, uh, returning a punt. Uh, I know it's tough to make your, like, number one or number two receiver, like, be a punt returner, but uh, I would love to see that, especially if he's healthy.
0: So kick returns were Jarek McKinnon, and then after him was Tavon Austin. And punt returners were – it would go Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, just like a coin flip there. They they were both with the first team, and then, like, quote-unquote first team. And then after that, like, Ayuk was back there, and so was Tavon Austin. So those would be, like, the four. I don't – do I don't know if they would put Ayuk back there. Like they I a hundred like if there if I were to pick who the punt returner would be, there would be no doubt about it, it'd be Ayuk. I just hate the argument that oh, you don't want to run the the injury of getting risked, that the risk of getting injured. Right. Whereas every time he's on the field, there is a risk to get injured. I just don't understand that argument at all. The goal should be to get the ball in your best player's hands as often as possible. And if you guys, if I I should put a, a clip together of All the punt returns from iuk in college because he came like this close to breaking it at least five times seriously and that might have just been last year alone he's a special returner but pettis is really good too and the, the issue there is just ball security because he muffed one under like in the scrimmage which is like a terrible thing as you're getting an audition yeah but taylor's a safe guy taylor's gonna get you like five to six yards but Ayuk's a guy that can give you like 20 yards man he's he he would be a guy that I would put back there. I, I would go, I would say if like and this they don't have to be married to a certain returner either. Right. So if like the offense is backed up at punting out of their own end zone, send Ayuker Pettis back there. Send like a big play guy back there. Right. But if you want to just field the ball and fair catch put it or something Taylor like thing. that, yeah, just put Taylor back there. You don't have to have like one set guy. It's not like they're gonna forget how to catch a punt because they didn't get a catch a punt two times right. in a row. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I I imagine we will see multiple returners over the course of the season, but I would, if I had to guess right now, I'd probably be Taylor. But I I hope okay. that you know Pettis or you get a shot because I think that they have a chance to to do some damage.
1: Yeah, I think you know you may agree. The most frustrating part about putting together a fifty-three man roster like this, a prediction, um, especially for this team, is is CJ Beathard, right? Uh, when we come down to debating the strong safeties, uh, Harris versus Cyprian, or receivers, uh, can I keep a Jennings? Uh, can I keep a Dwelly? Right? You come back to like, damn, I wish I could just cut C.J. Beathard and add one of those guys, right? Um, or, or even, even with corner, like keeping a Jamar Taylor or something like that, right? Like a, a skill position player, like, uh, like a Taylor or a Jennings or something like that. It's gonna get more run during the season than I think with like a Beathard, but uh, yeah, I, you know like i mentioned at the start this is our prediction of what we think is going to happen and we think that bethard's going right. to make the roster
0: so yeah i just i just can't imagine a scenario where a team let's say you try to sneak Beathard on the practice squad and a team plucks Beathard. Like, what? Are you gonna like cry about? It? Are you gonna right. be upset that right. you lose Beathard? What, right. what is the issue here? Oh no! Now we don't have our third string quarterback who we put on the punt team last year. Like, come on, man. Right. What What are we doing here? So, uh, but that was fun. Good. Um, anything else that we need to touch on on this roster projections?
1: Uh, nothing with the roster proje- projection. Probably the one thing that does interest me is, uh, you know, Fred Warner. Right. He's now on the COVID nineteen yeah. reserve list. Um, we've gone through kind of the scenarios. If he's, you know, asymptomatic, he can be kind of be, be back in the building uh in five days after a couple of negative tests. Uh if he's symptomatic, then it's like 10 days plus 72 hours, uh, plus like a team physician has to get involved and whatnot. Uh so if if he's asymptomatic, if he's symptomatic and whatnot, then his status for week one may be up in the air. If he's asymptomatic, he may he may be back before that. Say worst case scenario, um, he misses week one. Who plays uh, Mike, Will, and Sam, uh, linebacker and
0: base? So I would imagine Al Shahir would play Sam and Quan would remain at Will. Okay. I don't think you would move him. And really? then Greenlaw would slide in there. And then, but essentially against a team that plays as much, you know, 10, and I mean, they, they spread you out. Like they're a legit air raid offense. I don't, I would honestly just put more DBs on the field. That's as opposed point. to Greenlaw. And, and I know Greenlaw has like a great reputation just because he made those highlight plays. But I don't think he's as good in coverage as people think he is. And I would rather have Tar- like a guy like Tavarius more on the field, especially against a team like Arizona, as opposed to, you know, uh, Greenlaw, who, who I don't think is bad. But I mean, we have to like he's he's a fifth rounder. Like he's still that player.
1: Yeah, I was looking back. Actually, Warner struggled against Arizona. He had two of his like worst games against the Cardinals last season. And so, not saying it'd be good if he missed the game or anything like that. Um, but he did struggle, <laughs> right? Um, so, like you mentioned, you'd rather have DBs who can play coverage, I think, than uh, more linebackers. So, uh, yeah, I
0: imagine next week we'll we'll do some previewing of this game. And uh, I I went back and watched the third downs of from week 11, I believe it was. And there were, so Kyler hits the receiver twice in the numbers and he, the receiver just falls flat like a yard before the first down and they didn't convert it. So I don't even know how that's possible for a professional athlete, but he just fell. Another time the ball hit him in a bad spot, right in his hands, dropped it on third and 12. Yeah, Like they are, they were open a lot. And I imagine it's, and there was another, there was actually another one where he threw a back shoulder on third and long, it was Achille Witherspoon was guarding Andy Isabella, who is the same height as me, and they threw a back shoulder to him on third and long. This year, that's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. So I think the Cardinals are going to have uh, just, they're going to be able to move the ball. It's just about, it's going to come down to execution and how the 49ers are able to, you know, adapt to what they do on third downs. But that'll be fun to talk about and that, to dig into be, yeah. a little bit more next week. So, yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: um, so we get the the 53-man uh, roster, at least the initial one, uh, Saturday, I believe. We get first injury reports later this week or next week?
0: It should be the game week. So I believe they have Wednesday. to stop it on Wednesday. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then, we, and then we roll.
1: Yeah. So we'll get a better idea of both the 49ers and Cardinals injuries. I think both Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins haven't been practicing. So it, right. it'll be interesting to see on both sides. Um, leading up to that week. Um, and we'll definitely hit on all those things on ne- next week's episode.
0: Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for listening to the third episode of The Shanna Plan. I am Kyle Posey. You can follow me at on Twitter at KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you?
1: You can find me at Twitter at Akash Anav, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And if our 53-man roster projections are incorrect, make sure to send those to Rob Guerrera, our producer. Um, tweet at him, not Kyle or me. Yeah. You can find him. You can find him on Twitter too. So, yeah, make sure to add him.
0: I believe it's at statsonfire. So, for all of your concerns, for all of your quibbles, it was yes. 100% Rob's fault, not ours. Yeah.
1: Send, send him all his way. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for guys. listening,
0: guys. We will be back next Wednesday and go night.